Today's a, a special day. We, we have, if you have missed, been unpacking uh, or sharing where, where we believe God is leading us as a church in, in a vision series, a three-week vision series. And we have shared with you, and hopefully you've been wrestling a little bit, this idea that God, we believe, is calling us to first and foremost to develop faithful followers, to, to reach our community, to make an impact on that community. But finally, most importantly, is to eventually multiply the church, to be about sending the church what that looks like, what it's going to be about, we don't entirely know. We believe that someday it may be a church plant, a church revitalization. And it's no accident we say that as we wrestled with it, and God led us to that. Uh, hopefully many of you got this piece of paper that has kind of North Point's name and history and a little bit about that. It's part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are. As uh, Village Baptist Church back in 1997 sent some of their members up here to Deer Creek Baptist Church to help revitalize and start what is now and what we have come to know as North Point. And what's amazing about all this is by a strange divine encounter at a coffee shop, which I don't want to steal asunder, I ran into the uh, pastor that was the pastor at Village Baptist Church at the time, Ted Kirsch. And as God began to put all this together, I reached out to him and said, would you be willing to come and share your experience, what it was like? As, as we are dreaming about the future, we want to look to the past to give us faith to do it. And so I've asked him to come and share about his story and about what it was like for them as a church as they took that leap of faith to do what we believe someday God's going to call us to do. And I believe someday what you're going to hear is going to be our story someday, going to tell another church of what's going on. And so uh, would you help me give a warm round of applause to Mr. Pastor Ted Kirsch as he comes up and shares today. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. And... Uh, in fact, it really is good to see you. I, I, uh, as we uh, drove out this morning, uh, we don't live too far from you, but as we drove out this morning, it just really blessed me to pull up here and to see the building and to see what's going on and to, and, and to know a little bit about what God did to bring you to this point. And, and uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about uh, what I want to do today. And uh, uh, you all know what it means when a pastor lays his watch on the podium? Nothing means absolutely nothing. Uh, but uh, what I what I want to do uh, is is to kind of give you a, a little bit of history, just just briefly, uh, and then I want to just open God's word and preach. Okay, I just want to open God's word and and see what He has to say about His church and about what the church ought to be and about the future of the church and, and all those kind of things. Well, let me, let me give you a little bit of history. Um, the Lord was so gracious to us, to Jerry and I, to um, have the privilege of pastoring uh, the Village Baptist Church for 14 years. Uh, 1988, uh, I went there as pastor uh, and was there until 2002. Uh, then the Lord took us to the Tulsa area, and we were in the Tulsa area about 16 years and retired eventually from the South Tulsa Baptist Church uh, here about five years ago. And, and then a couple of years ago, the Lord brought us back to Oklahoma City area, and we're we're thrilled. Our kids are here. Our 10 grandkids are here. And so we're just thrilled to be back in the area and, and be a part of what God's in Oklahoma City. Uh, but one day, uh, there were two gentlemen walked into my office at Village. And they were a part of Deer Creek Baptist Church. And to be quite honest, I didn't know much about the area. I knew there was a school out here. And new people were moving out here, but as I studied the area, I discovered that even in 1997, there were approximately 10,000 people in the Deer Creek School District. Now today, I know it's 
far beyond that. A class six school, I believe you told me, six A school. Man, that's amazing. That's up there with the big boys, you know. That's broken air and jinx and all that stuff. And, and, and so, so it's amazing the number of people. But at that time, there were about 10,000 people in the Deer Creek school system uh, in, the, in the area. Uh, and there was one Baptist church. Now, there were a couple other churches out here, but there was one Baptist church, and it was the little Deer Creek Baptist Church, and, 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 and they were struggling and, and having a hard time, and so these two gentlemen walked in with a vision that I found soon was a real vision from the Lord, um, and they uh, said to me, they said, Ted, is there any way that Village Baptist Church would be interested in, in helping Deer Creek Baptist Church? And I said, well, it could be. I said, we, we've got a vision. And I said, our vision is that when we start averaging over 1,000 in our Sunday Bible study program, we're going to plant a church somewhere. That's, that's going to be our plan. And I remember when I told our people that. I remember when I'd been there just a few months as pastor back in 88, and I said to our folks, there were about 500 of us then, I said, now the time will come when we'll have 1,000 people in Sunday school. I remember our people just kind of rolling their eyes, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, and I said, when we do, when we, we average 1,000 in Sunday school, we're going to plant a church somewhere. We're going to take some of those folks and put them out there somewhere. I don't know what that is or how that's going to work, but we're going to do that. Uh, and so time had gone on, and, and there we were, running about 1,000, 1,100 in Sunday school, and, and all of a sudden these guys came in, and, and, and we said, okay, yeah, we want to be a part of that. And, and, and so to kind of move the story forward, we uh, actually did it twice. We did that one time uh, with the Deer Creek, and then a little later we got on back up to about 12 or 1,300 in Sunday school, and we started another church out east of Village, and that went well as well. And, and, but but uh, the day came when we were going to, Ask our people to come and, and, and be a part of this work out in the Deer Creek area. Uh, we'd started working on the building and put some money in the old building and getting it ready. And, and, and we were going to kick it off on Easter Sunday. Uh, and so we had knocked on doors. We knocked on hundreds and hundreds of doors telling people about this new church. We'd meet every Saturday morning out at the old building. We'd have breakfast, and, and we'd send people out. And, I mean, we knocked on door after door after door after door after door getting ready for that. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of doors and passed out material. And that first Sunday morning, East, that, that Easter Sunday morning, I don't remember the exact number, uh, but Mike Fetters had been on our staff, and Mike going to come out and be the pastor of the new church. Well, Mike called me that morning just before he got up to preach and and he called the office I wasn't there but he got one of the guys and there was over 200 people had gathered that first morning uh, to have worship in that little building and it was a wonderful wonderful day but I remember when we got that first group of folks together who said we want to go out and be a part of the new church there were 60 some of those people and we decided we didn't want to send just a few people out, but we wanted to send a good number out and start it with a good base. And, and, and so I met with those 60 folks, and I still remember this. I met in our little chapel at Village with those 60 people, 60-plus 60 people, uh, and, and I, I said to them, I said, now look, we've got to put together a budget for this new work, and I don't have any idea what that budget's going to be. I, Mike's going to go out and be the pastor, and we've got to pay his salary, and we've got to put together a budget. And, and, and so I said, here's what I need you to do. I said, I'm going to pass around this yellow legal pad. And I need you to write down for me what your monthly giving is. Don't give me your name. I said, I don't know what you give. I never look at giving records. To this day, I couldn't tell you what anybody at Village Baptist Church gave or any other place I served, Pastor. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in that. I, I said, so don't give me your name, but we've got to have some place to start. What kind of budget are we going to have to start with? 
And so I passed that yellow pad around, and people started writing down figures, and 60 folks out there, and I get that yellow pad back, and we added it up, and those few families had committed to over $100,000 a year to start that work. And I remember, <laughs> I remember looking at that, Eric, and said, man, I'm getting ready to send 60 people and $100,000 out the door. Now, we got the 60 people back pretty quick, but it took a while to get the $100,000 back. But that, that was the beginning. That was the beginning. And, 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 and here you are today, ready to take whatever steps God might lead you to take in the coming years. Now, what, what I want to do for the next few minutes is, is I want to I attempt, under the grace of the Lord, to... To, to give you a vision. To, to say, why are we here? What, what's our purpose? What, what, you know, I mean, we're here on a Sunday morning, and, but, but what's, what's God's overall plan? Now, now, let me tell you something I've learned in the years, okay? I was a pastor for 45 years. And, and, and here's what I've learned. Churches have a general purpose. Okay, they have a general purpose. It's a God-given purpose. It's a biblical purpose. And I'm going to show that to you. Churches have a general purpose. Now, within that, there may be some other things that they do. You know, maybe their location will cause them to have other purposes. I mean, I know churches located in military areas. You know, churches over around Tinker Air Force Base. And they have particular purposes that maybe you wouldn't have. But, but even within that, there's a general purpose. Now, now listen. Every time a church gets away from their general purpose, they flounder. And, and, and they, they try other things. They try to figure it out, what's going on. They write vision statements. They do all kinds of studies. And, and they never figure it out until they get back to their primary purpose. And, and when they get back to their primary purpose, they begin to surge again. And they begin to grow, and they begin to honor the Lord, and they begin to bless the Lord. And, but there's a, there's a primary purpose, and you've got to know that. That's got to be, be inbred in you. It's got to be your heart. It's got to be your mind. It's got to be your life. And, and, and there are people here this morning that were a part of some of the wonderful good days of Village Baptist Church. And, and some of these things I'm going to share, some of those folks will remember when I stood in the pulpit of Village Baptist Church and said, this is our purpose, this is what we've got to be, this is who we are, this is how we must go. And, and, and some of those people will remember what God did because we understood His purpose. In those 14 years, we saw that church go from about 500 in Sunday school to 1,300 in Sunday school, and we gave away two or 300 people to missions. And we saw that church go to having a worldwide ministry in Brazil and and all over South America and other places around the world, and God just do amazing things. But I'm convinced He did that because we understood His purpose. His purpose. Now, I'd like for you to open your Bible with me to 1 Thessalonians. Um, and, and I want to begin to read to you in verse 6 here in just a moment. Um, and and here's, here's something very interesting about, about this. Take your Bible or your, your phone or your pad or however you're going to be looking at the Scripture... And, and I want you to notice something. This is the only church that Paul bragged on that he didn't find something wrong with. The only church in the New Testament. 
of all the churches that Paul wrote to. Now, he said some good things about some of the other churches. But then in doing that, then he would come back and reprimand them about some things. But, but this is the only church that the Apostle Paul ever said some things about that he, that he didn't say about anybody else. And I want you to look at these things. So it, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing truth. Now look with me, beginning in verse 6. And if you would, in honor of the word of the Lord, would you just stand with me? And I want to read to you, beginning in verse 6 and reading down through verse 10. Look carefully at your copy of the Word of God. Just, just, just kind of look at it and let God's Word speak to you. And I'm going to be teaching from the New American Standard uh, translation of the Scripture. Uh, and, and yours will probably be that or very close to that. But, but I want you to look carefully at what Paul says to this church at Thessalonica. All right, now look in verse 6. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. H- having received the Word... In much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, when, when the Lord took me to the Village Baptist Church. We took this passage of Scripture, and it became our purpose. Now, now we, 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 we took it and, and wrote some things from it, but it became our general purpose, our general outline. And when the Lord allowed us to get the Deer Creek Church started, which became North Point Baptist Church, this was our purpose. So, so I'm just telling you now, as, as, as your friend and pastor of Village Baptist Church back in the day, why we started this. This was our purpose. This was our reason. This is what was in our heart. This is what we wanted to do. We took this passage of Scripture, and, and we said, Okay, Lord, we believe this is your example, and if this is your example, we're going to take that and put it out into Deer Creek. So, so when we talk about this day, keep in mind, this was what we believed that God planned for your original purpose to behold. All right? Now, I want you to look at what Paul says, beginning in verse 6. Speaking to the church at Thessalonica, he says, You also became imitators of us. You, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. That That word imitator... There's an interesting word uh, in the language of the New Testament. It's actually where we get our word to mimic or to mime something. Um, now, back in the day um, when, when comedy was funny, um, there was a guy named Rich Little. How many of y'all are old enough to remember Rich Little? Okay, some of you are. Those of you who aren't, we feel sorry for you, okay? Because Rich was funny. 
and, and rich could imitate anybody. This is the days of the Kennedys and all that stuff. So, so, so rich little could imitate anybody. But somebody that's a good impersonator, somebody that's a good mimic, a mime, they, they will take something that somebody does with their expressions or something they do with their words, and, and they make it big. They, they just explode it. You know, now, I'm not, I'm not political and don't intend to be political, but if you were going to imitate our president today, when he, if you were going to mimic him, if you were going to be a mime of President Trump, you know, he always does his hand like this when he talks. Have you all noticed that? Well, if you were a mime, you, you wouldn't just do that. You would do that. You'd make it a big deal. You'd really draw attention to it. And Rich Little could do that better than anybody. Okay? Now, now folks, listen. When Paul says to the church... At Thessalonica, he says in verse 6, you became mimics of us. You became mimes of us. You know what he says? He says, you took what we did and made it even bigger. You, you took what we did and made it even more important. You took what we did and what the Lord did, and you made it dominate your life. What an amazing comment to make about a church. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if, if your pastor could stand up here one day and say, Folks, let me tell you something. You have imitated Paul, and you have imitated Jesus, and you've made it even bigger than Jesus did. Wouldn't that be something? You, you, you imitated the Lord, and you even did it bigger than Paul did. That, that's what he's saying. All right, now, now look at this. He says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. And having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now look. So that you became an example. Y'all see that? So that you became an example. Look now. To all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia and Achaia were, were Greek provinces. All right, now you, do you see what Paul says of this church? You became the example for other churches. That word example there is a, is a word that means to leave a mark, uh, or it's a word that has to do with, with uh, uh, leaving a seal of a mark. For example, if, uh, uh, if, if I was a notary, which I'm not, but if I was a notary and this was a piece of paper and I was going to leave my mark on it, I'd, I'd put my notary seal there and clamp down on that, and that notary seal would leave the mark. Okay, It would leave the example of whatever was in that, that clamp. That's exactly what Paul was saying about the church at Thessalonica. He said, you guys were the example. You guys left the mark. You guys told everybody else how to do it. Now, folks, listen. When, when I got to that passage of Scripture in my own personal study at Village Baptist Church, I remember sitting in my office and saying, well, whatever they did at Thessalonica, we're going to do at Village. Because they were the example. Paul didn't say that to anybody else. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell the church at Corinth they were the example. Thank the Lord he didn't. What a mess that was. He, he, didn't, he didn't tell the, the Galatians they were the example. Why he said, in fact, he says, y'all are, y'all are driving me crazy. He said, who, be, who, who got you guys to walk away from the Lord so quickly? The only church that Paul said to, you became the example for everybody else, is the church at Thessalonica. So, doesn't it make sense that we ought to find out what they did? 
And, 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 and I'm just going to tell you, when, when, when God began to move at Village Baptist Church in unusual ways, I'm convinced that part of what he did had to do with the fact that we as a church family said, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And I'm just going to tell you, when, when the Lord led us to plant this church, this was our heart. Exactly what I'm going to tell you in the next few minutes was exactly what we believed God wanted to do in this place. Okay, now, now, now look with me what Paul said about the church at Thessalonica. This is so amazing. Verse 7. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now look, here's what they did. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Step one. Vision one. Plan one. The word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Now, folks, let me, let me tell you the most important thing you do. And, and I'm just going to say this from a pastor, a guy who pastored churches for 45 years, and I'm now sick, I'll be 69 years old in April, and I've watched lots of churches do lots of things. But boy, and so from my experience, from my training, from all that stuff, just hear me. The most important thing you do is teach this book. Your fellowship is secondary. Your music is secondary. Your budget is secondary. Your youth ministry is secondary. Your children's ministry is secondary. Your committee work, your structure, all that stuff is secondary. This building is secondary. Number one, teach this book. Teach it. Love it. Live it. Eat it. Make it your life. He says, you echoed the word of God. Did you notice what he has to say here? Did you notice it? Look at this. For the word of the Lord sounded forth from you. The word of the Lord sounded forth. That word sounded forth is a word that means to echo. And in the grammar it says, the word of the Lord just kept on sounding forth from you. You, you just kept telling people the word of the Lord. And, and when they thought you were through, you just told them again. And when they thought you were through, you just told them again. And, and you just kept echoing the word of the Lord. In fact, this, this word sounded forth, an interesting word for us in Oklahoma, especially we moved toward the spring. Uh, we know what storms are in Oklahoma, right? And every storm starts in Amarillo. Have you all noticed that? They all start in Amarillo. I mean, they, they get Amarillo. I used to have a preacher buddy out there, and I always accused him of that. But uh, they'll start out west. And they'll build, and, and just about the time they, they get out here to El Reno, they, they just start exploding. And boy, you'll hear the thunder off in the west. And that thunder comes, it gets louder and louder and louder, and then wham, what's on top of you? And, and how many times have we, have we heard our weather guys around here say, well, there's another storm coming. And, then, and storm number two comes through. Well, yeah, about time storm number two gets there. Well, there's another line building in storm number three. Folks, do you understand that's the word echoed? That's the word sounded forth. You see what Paul's telling you to do as a church? What, what you do as a church is you echo the word of God. I mean, you echo it in your life. You echo it from your pulpit. 
You echo it in your music. You echo it in your youth ministries. You echo it in your children. I mean, you, the, the, there is not anything any more important for you as a church than to take the Word of God and teach it 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 and teach it. That's what they did. That's what we did at Village. That's why we planted this church. That's why we planted the church that's now behind Costco's. That, that, that's, that's what we did. Now, I want you to notice this. For the word of the Lord sounded forth from you. Look at this. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also every place. Your faith toward God has gone forth. I love that. Your faith toward God. Look at this. So that we have no need to say anything. <laughs> you, you know what Paul's saying here? Paul says, whenever we get to wherever we're going to tell the Word of God, the Word of God's already gotten there because of you guys. When, when we get someplace to tell people about how to be saved, it's already gotten there because of you guys. When, when, when we go to teach somebody what Jesus did, why, it's already gotten there because of you guys. I mean, isn't that a phenomenal thing to say about a church? Wouldn't that be glorious that, that your pastor walks into somebody's home sometime, they visit the church, and he walks in the home, and he sits down, and he starts talking to them about Jesus, and, and, and says, oh, hey, pastor, your people have already been here. We, we already know what you're going to say. say. They've already been here. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awesome, young people in your schools, that, that, that you, you, you start to tell somebody about the Word of God, and the guy says, oh, your buddy's already been here. Your, your friend's already been here. Well, that's what happens when you echo the Word of God. The person before you echoes it, and the person before you echoes it, and the person around you, and after you, you just echo the Word of the Lord. And before long, people all around are talking about the Word of the Lord and responding to the Word of the Lord. See? So, so that's step one. It's for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you so that every place we go, we don't have to say anything. He says, now look at this. For they themselves, these, these people we're meeting, for they themselves report about us or report to us what kind of reception we had with you. Now look, look at this. And how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. You see what Paul says about this church? He says, you sounded out the word of the Lord. But not only did you sound out the word of the Lord, you turned to God from idols. You repented. You, you, you turned around. You turned to God from idols. And I love this. Now, here it is. And to serve a living and true God. And to serve a living and true God. The word serve there is the word doulos. It's, it's our word for slave. It says you, you turned from idols and you became a slave to God. You were totally mastered by God. You were absolutely controlled by God. You had no life of your own, no time of your own, no concern of your own. You became a slave of the Lord God. Oh, we've got to get back to that. Man, we've got, we've got to get back to that in our churches. 
We serve the Lord God. We are slaves of the Lord God. It is not my life. It is the Lord's life. This is not your church. It is the Lord's church. It is not your service. It is service to the Lord. We serve the Lord God. Oh, we've got to get back to that. And why is it in our Baptist churches today you can't even find about half our people? FBI couldn't find half of them. Why is that? Because we no longer are slaves of the Lord. Why is it that, 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 that listen to this, only five, only five, these are, these are pretty current statistics, and they've been there for a long time now, but they're pretty current. Only five of every 100 of those of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior have ever one time told anybody else how to be saved. 95% of us, 95, now think about this, 95% of us have never one time sat down and told somebody how to be saved. Folks, imagine that. People all around your community that don't know how to be saved, don't know how to know Christ, don't know what has to happen to go to heaven, to be forgiven, to have eternal life. People are dying and going to hell. Why is that? Because we are no longer slaves of Jesus. Our master told us, you shall be my witnesses. Our master told us that. Our Lord told us that. Who are we to say we don't have time? Who are we to say we don't have the skills? We don't have the gifts. We are slaves of the Lord Jesus. See? That, that's, that, I mean, and, and you can go through, I mean, this same Lord. As I am holy, ye too should be holy. Do unto others you have them do unto you. Forgive as you've been forgiven. On and on and on and on and on. Why are so many of those things not true about us? Because we have forgotten that we serve the Lord God. We have forgotten that. See? And I tell you, when Paul talked to this church, Thessalonica, he said, you sound out the word of the Lord and you serve the Lord. Look at this. Here's the last thought. Verse 9. For they themselves report about us what kind of reputation we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. Look. And to wait for His Son from heaven. And to wait for His Son from heaven. That, that word wait is it's a, it's a great word. It, it, it means you're waiting with expectation. You, you know that something's going to happen and because you know that something's going to happen, you're, you're prepared. Y'all remember when we used to speak of, of pregnant ladies as expecting? I don't know if they still use that term or not. But, but back in the day, when a lady was with child, the family would all say, well, she's expecting. She's expecting. I remember when Jerry was carrying our boys. I'd tell my wife's expecting. Now, 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 what's that mean? We're waiting on a baby to come, and we're preparing we're getting the room ready. We're getting the stuff ready. We're, we're ready. That, that's the word. 
See, it, it means they were waiting with expectation. They, they just knew Jesus could come any time. They, 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 one of the reasons they were sounding out the word of the Lord is they just believed Jesus could come any time, and they had to get it done. One of the reasons they served Jesus was they believed he could return any time, and they didn't dare want him to come back with them not serving as a slave. Well, folks, let me tell you what I know about the return of Jesus. I know, there's a lot about his return I don't know, but boy, there's something I do know. It's closer now than it was last Sunday. I know that. And, it's, and if he doesn't come this week, it'll be closer next Sunday. Now, what's that mean for me spiritually? That means I ought to be more intense about the things of God next week than I am right now. That means I ought to have more expectation about him coming next week than I have right now. That means I ought to be more intentional about my Christian life than I was 24 hours ago. I ought to be more intentional about taking the gospel than I used to be. I ought to be more intentional about serving my Lord than I've ever been before because I am waiting for him to come. See, waiting for him to come. Isn't it interesting that this is the only church that Paul said these things about. And, and, and can, I just, can I just speak to you now from my heart? When I was a pastor, I'd get all kinds of things across my desk telling me what I needed to do to grow a church, to reach people, and do all these things. All kinds of ideas and all kinds of things about buildings and programs and atmosphere and chairs and all stuff, all kinds of stuff. The only one that ever told me, now Ted, what you ought to do is sound forth the word of the Lord, serve Jesus like a slave, and wait for him to come. The only one ever told me that was the Apostle Paul through God's word. And that's what we did. That's just what we did. Best we could. Did we do it perfectly? No. Did we have to back up and punt sometimes, try again? Yeah. Did we have to look at some things once in a while and kind of reevaluate? Sure. But the bottom line, through our ministry, saying, God, with everything that's within us, we're going to sound out the word of the Lord as a church. We're going to do it everywhere. And with everything we have, we're going to serve you as our king and our master. You say it, we will do it. We don't even have to question it. You just say it. We do it, and we will do it until Jesus comes. We just won't quit. And beloved, I'm telling you, we took those biblical principles, and the best we could, we put them to work at Village Baptist Church. And one day, a couple of guys walked into my office and said, is there any way you guys could maybe help us at Deer Creek? Yeah, I think so. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to sound out the word of the Lord. And we're going to serve Jesus like his slaves. And we're going to do it till Jesus comes. And that started Deer Creek Baptist Church. Actually, Village Baptist Church North was the very first name. And then Deer Creek Baptist, and as that developed... North Point Baptist Church. So here you are. 
And that's the way you were established. And I believe that was the Lord's intent. And as long as that's what you do, you'll flourish. You will flourish. But you get away from that, you'll stumble. You'll wonder, what are we doing? Where are we going? What's the plan? Always get back to the plan. One of my favorite stories about churches is what's happening right now at the Trinity Baptist Church in Yukon. I love what's happening there. 1980, the Lord moved Jerry and I to Yukon to plant the Trinity Baptist Church. And we did that. And in a year's time, we saw over 500 people join that church. It's amazing what God did. And we took, we took these principles for all those years at UConn, and we just established those principles, and we saw growth, and we saw missions, and we saw God do amazing things, just amazing things. And the day came when, when God changed our assignment, moved us away, and Trinity kind of struggled a little bit. They got to doing some other things, not intentionally, but just, just didn't intentionally stay by the stuff. And I'm not being critical of leadership or whatever. I'm just telling you the truth. It just, just didn't quite stay by the purpose. And they kind of floundered. And, and here, a few months ago, I had the privilege of going out and being interim pastor for a few months. And they called a young man as pastor who is <laughs> committed to the word and, 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 and they're back to those initial principles and they're seeing people saved about every week they're impacting the schools and they're impacting the community and the church is exploding in influence and it's just awesome to see that happen just awesome Oh, do they do some things differently than I would do? My foot, yeah. I'm 69. They do some things that, sure, they do. They ought to do things differently. You can't do it the way we did it in the 80s and expect much to happen. You ought to do it differently. But good night, brothers and sisters. Echo the Word of God. Just echo the Word of God. Serve Jesus like a slave and do it till Jesus comes. I believe that was the purpose of this church. And I believe that's what God has put in your pastor's heart. And I believe that's what God has put in your heart. And if that becomes your priority, there is absolutely no end to what God might do in this church in the future. Absolutely no end. But now listen, can't just be the pastor's idea. You've got to buy into it. Can't just be some good thoughts. You've got to live it out. Can't just be one of these services we walk away from and say, well, that was inspiring. No. Has to be our life. God honors that. Could, could, could we do this?
I'm going to ask Matt to come, and, and, and we're going to have music. And, and could we bow our heads together? And, and pastors and elders are going to be here. And um, we're, we're, uh, we're not going to stand. We're not going to sing. We're going to let Matt play. But, but I just wonder today if God's not speaking to your heart. It may be that you're here without Jesus as Savior and all these things about sounding out the word of the Lord and serving Jesus like a slave and do it till Jesus comes, that doesn't mean a thing to you. Well, I understand that. But all that could change today. That could all change today. And, and right there where you're seated, you could say, Lord Jesus, I, I know that you died for me were buried and resurrected and I give my life to you I trust you as my Lord and my Savior come into my life if you don't have the assurance of your salvation don't you tell the Lord that right now just tell him Lord Jesus come into my life I repent of my sin I, I believe in you I trust you and what you did on the cross for me come into my life and, and if, if that's your prayer of commitment today, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to, to just step out where you are and come and share with your pastor, one of these elders, and just very simply say, today I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And they'll help you from there, all right? They'll help you. But then to all the rest of us, is God speaking to our heart today? Do we, do we find ourselves saying, God, I... I, I, that's what I want to be a part of. I, I want to be a part of sounding out your word. Lord, I don't even know all that that means, but I want to be a part of it. Lord, I, I want to be a part of serving you like a slave because I love you, worship you, and I want to turn from anything else I've got in my life and turn to you. I want to serve you. And, and Lord, this is not just today. This is until you come. This, this, this Lord will be my life until you come. And maybe today you'd kind of like to just come and kneel here in this altar area, these front chairs or this altar here, and, and just say to the Lord as you kneel before him, Dear God, I, I want to be a part of that. That, that that you showed me today in First Thessalonians, Lord, I want to be a part of that. It's what I want to be in my life. Folks, listen. Worship is never over till we respond. Sometimes that response is deep, quiet in our heart. Sometimes that response is public. But whether I'm worshiping at home or worshiping corporately with a group of believers, worship is never over till somehow I say, Yes, Lord, I've heard you. Lord, I respond to you. And, and so we're going to bow our heads together, and I want to lead us in prayer, and, and Matt's just going to play. And if you want to come in and kneel and pray, you do that. If you want to come and share something with your pastor, one of these other elders, you do that. But, but let's, let's respond to him, all right? Let's respond to him. Our Father, we, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we worship you. We love you.
so honored today, Lord, to be able to open your word and proclaim it. God, I pray we'd respond to it. Lord, don't, don't let us leave today unchanged in some way. Now, if you want to come and kneel and talk to the Lord for a moment, you come and do that. We'll wait for just a moment. We'll wait a long time, but if you want to come, then you, then you come, all right? Just while we, while we wait. Father, we are so thankful for you moving in our hearts today. Father, we're honored that the Lord of all creation would touch us. Father, I'm reminded this morning of the psalmist when he said I cried out unto the Lord and he heard me what an amazing thought that the God who opened his mouth and said let there be light and light screamed out across this universe that the Lord that by his very words created everything that has ever existed that that God would hear us when we cry out. How humbling that is. How amazing it is. Father, I thank you that when we cry out to you that you hear us. And Lord, I pray that, that this church, North Point Baptist Church, would cry out to you. And Lord, Come to a place 
of being strangely and heavily burdened for their community. I pray they'd come to a place they'd not be able to look at people at the school or people who drive through the community and not wonder, do they know the Lord? Are they ready for heaven? Are they one of the Lord's children? I pray, Father, for these young people when they walk the hallways of their school that they'd never look at their friends the same again. They'd never look at other students the same again. But they'd look wondering, do they know Christ? Have they come to the Lord? And then they'd take that wandering to the next step of telling and sharing, sounding out the word of the Lord. As these moms and dads let their children out of school tomorrow, may their hearts be struck with the thought, do all of these other parents know Jesus? Do all of these children go home to a mom and dad who are filled with the Spirit of God? walk with you and love you oh God do not let us get away from the thoughts that stir in our heart today in Jesus wonderful name we pray amen